You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game and Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into the episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. We sound like a broken record at this point. One in 12 on the season. Panthers fall again to the Saints. Bryson, I thought they had a shot in this one. I really did. Defense played well, well enough to win that game, I guess, and like they have pretty much most of the season. But this offense just, just that, I mean, they're on the track and then a wheel falls off and the rest just, the whole shit breaks apart. Yeah, the the scheme obviously isn't there for, uh, for anything to happen on this offense, unfortunately. They're struggling every week. I mean, the run game was good, right? They they rushed for a significant amount of yards, but uh, didn't really result in points too often. You know, they, they get to the one-yard line and can't score a touchdown. So, uh, yeah, it was frustrating game. The defense played well for three quarters, uh, kept kept them in the game. And coming out at half, you know, they came out and kind of made it a close game. And I thought maybe this is when the Panthers uh, actually put things together and, and might have a chance at a win. But – Unfortunately, like you said, the wheels did come off, and uh, and here we are sitting at one and twelve. Yeah, you know the run game. You mentioned it as, I mean, they've gone back to what they were good at last year, and that's you know pounding the ball and you know building off of that. And obviously, that's we've seen success with that these last couple of weeks. Big week for the backs this week. Both Chuba and Miles Sanders had really good weeks. Um, but yeah, that offensive series, when you have Miles Sanders running for like 50, 60 yards, whatever it was, you get first and go on the one and you can't punch it in. I mean, that if that doesn't show and represent this season, just it's just bad sequencing altogether. I mean, you can't have a play like that pop off and not punch it in in the end and they go in first and goal. They try to run with Miles Sanders. I thought they probably should have put Chuba in. I mean, the guy was, you could tell he was pretty damn tired towards the end of that run. And Chuba, I feel like, has has done a really good job of not dancing uh, when he gets the ball because I feel like Sanders does that a lot. He just straight ahead. Um, and they didn't bring him in. I thought that was a bad, bad coaching decision. And they run it with Sanders, get stuffed, and then they run two passes. I think the second one they lost yards on, or it might have been a second run. I'm not, I can't remember exactly, but they lost a couple yards. And then you bring up a third and fourth, or, or three and yeah, third and four, and whatever it was. And it's just like, <laughs> here we go again. I mean, it's just the same old script over and over and over. Yeah, and and then you watch around the league when the Panthers aren't playing, and you see other teams' offenses operating. Uh, efficiently or even just looking competent and it's it feels like that mediocre just, even yeah, it, it feels like it's just almost impossible for carolina to even look somewhat like an nfl offense uh you got you know of course you see tommy devito and the new york giants you know pulling an upset you got the titans uh down 14 they come back and win versus the dolphins and then you got the panthers that struggle to score points every single week and, it, and you got joe flacco coming off the couch yep 
throwing for 300 <laughs> yards and three touchdowns. So uh, it's it, it's frustrating, and and obviously it comes down to coaching and scheme, uh, and the lack of talent on this roster from top to bottom on offense at least. And you know we talk about it every week. Bryce just doesn't he either doesn't have time or he doesn't have anyone open. So. I feel like he, he made some good throws in this game. He made some throws that he should probably once back in a couple of misses on some deep shots, like the one to Mingo right before half. But, uh, you know, I think DJ Sharp, uh, two passes hit him in the face mask, dropped both of them. He has been uh, such a disappointment, dude. Yeah. Such a disappointment. So very disappointing. And, uh, and then the, I think Sullivan dropped one as well. Uh, you know, Bryce, he's doing what he can, man. He's doing what he can every single week. And, he can be better overall, but I think, unfortunately, with the with the combination of everything we talk about every week of coaching and lack of uh, creativity on the offense and lack of skill, it's just it's just the same thing over and over. It's not going to result in anything different. I don't think the offense is going to make any significant strides before the end of the year, and it just is what it is at this point. Yeah, uh, one thing I think you mentioned in there was the deep shots. Um, obviously, Bryce had the one. And I, I even hate tweeting out criticism against him because I, 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 I'm going to be honest when he's, when he's not doing good, you know, he needs to be called out for it, but it just opens up a whole can of worms to all the, the Stroud boys. And, um, but for Bryce, he missed one. I mean, you got to hit that to Mingo. Some say maybe Mingo gave up on the play. I don't know. It's that one. It was hard to see. I tried to watch it back a couple of times to see, but. Bryce has just got to hit him on stride. That's a touchdown, and that changed that whole. That would have changed the complexion of the game. I mean, you go in the half. I want to say it would have been ten to fourteen. What? Yeah, fourteen. So, and instead you're going in fourteen to three, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that changes things, and it also doesn't help when Bryce really hasn't had that opportunity all season, obviously. And I think um, he might get a little antsy in the pocket now when there is pressure and kind of speed up his uh, footwork. Um, but, you know, those, like we've said all season, those chances are few and far between. But this game, I was just looking at it, they had 10 attempts past 20 yards. I mean, this is that was the most attempts they've done deep uh, all season long. Yeah. So they definitely, I think that was what, just based off of what New Orleans was playing. But they did take shots. Bryce had a couple. I mean, the Chark one where he hit him on that uh, that one way up in the air, it just kind of floated in there, and it about like, and that happened a couple of times. It's you, if you're gonna press Bryce, you got to press some of these other guys. These guys need to make plays, and it's the famous line: you can't catch it for them. Like these guys need to make plays when they're called upon, and you've time after time after time and it's a different guy every game except for Adam Thielen I think I think he's the only reliable one Shark and Mingo you got to come up and even I think Sullivan might have had a drop in there I think at one point I'm not entirely sure Um, but I thought there was one to him on the sideline that he had missed too so like these guys got to come down and make plays because that it's those things and they all add up and it's the difference in the game so um, I thought overall the offensive line played, I mean, obviously better in this game. You do have that one famous play where, you know, Bryce Young is, I think they had, I think they had eight guys in the box and it, it was the fumble play where, I mean, he had no shot there. 
mean, he yeah. just – I felt really bad for him. That was just brutal. And then Icky got – I saw the replay on it. He got smoked on the edge, and the guy came free, and it was just at – that, at that point, you want Bryce Young to just go down. But, it I mean, it's just – it is what it is at that point. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's look at those offensive line grades. Um, yeah, let me break these up here. Um, they were actually really good. <laughs> the best they've had all season, I think. Um, if I can get my mouse, I'm sorry, my mouse just keeps on freezing up here. And I, there we go. Um, but yeah, overall, there was, I mean, there was some blues in there, and that's that's 90s. So, um, yeah, I can imagine with the run game getting 200 yards, I'm sure that most of their run run blocking grades were really good. Yeah, Cade Mays played really well, actually, um, if you're going off of this solely. So let me pull this up. Sorry, I didn't have this freaking ready for us here. But I was actually kind of surprised looking at it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll get rid of this so you can actually see. There we go. Um, but yeah, Nash struggled, um, but I, I think he's still trying to find his footing, but you obviously, you see the stats. He didn't give up too many pressures. Another big thing I think with this offense line this week was, um, penalties. There was a limit of penalties, which is good. I mean, Icky had the only one in the game, so that was promising. Looks like Bozeman. Obviously, has struggled with the pass blocking, um, but overall, I feel like that's probably one of the higher end numbers for him, right? For this season, yeah. like overall. Yeah, that overall is nice. Um, I mean, Cade Mays apparently had the game of his life run blocking. Uh, that's that's crazy to to see. But um, Taylor Moten every single week, consistent across the board, <laughs> pass blocking almost a ninety. Ryan blocking 71, overall grade than 80. He is one of the best right tackles in the NFL. And man, I just wish he could play left tackle. <laughs> that, that would be nice. Yeah. But, no uh, but yeah, Icky, obviously, he's he struggled a little bit. Uh, he had a couple plays where he was beat pretty bad, and um, it, it showed on the tape. But uh, I, you know, I'm just I'm so frustrated with him every week. It's it seems like he's getting beat by the simplest pass rush, pass rush moves, and it's like he's. I don't know if he's in his head or because he's got all the athleticism in the world, but here we are week in and week out wondering how he's getting beat by these easy, you know, typical pass rush moves. And it sucks, but hopefully he can bounce back and maybe next year under a different scheme, have a better year because Bryce needs him to be the guy. Like we cannot be looking for a left tackle going into Bryce's third, fourth, fifth year. Like, Ikanu needs to be the guy, so I'm I, I'm hoping he is, and um and we move forward. But Bozeman, of course, uh, had the sack there. Um, seems like Bozeman's kind of improving a little bit week by week. Uh, he's not yeah. as bad as he was to start the year, but um, I think that has a lot to do with the run game, man. I mean, yeah. I think that sets the tone for a lot of these guys, and you're seeing that the Tabor is going back to what Wilkes did, really. I obviously don't have a fullback in their eye formations or anything, but you can see that the run game has been a focus and Frank obviously didn't want to do that. I mean, he wanted to spread it out and distribute. And so I think 
every you know slowly i don't think it's enough yet but you you're starting to see a little bit more wrinkles with thomas brown i still think some of his sequencing and play calling at times is questionable um exactly what what the red zone series like that you gotta punch it in there there's no excuse whatsoever for that so um, i don't i don't understand why like i think you mentioned it last week i don't understand why they don't run like run like a power eye formation put someone like Kate Mays at fullback and then just you're on the one yard line run that three times like i don't understand i i don't think i've seen him once in the power power uh, any power formation running the ball on on the goal line attempting to score they always run out of shotgun i don't understand it it's so frustrating. You're setting yourself back five yards from the line of scrimmage and you're on the one yard line, but it's week in and week out. It's the same thing over and over. And I don't, I would love to get the coaching staff's answer as to why they love to run out of shotgun. Like I don't, I can't think of one reason, one positive to do that. I will still, I mentioned this probably five, six weeks ago. And I know you probably don't agree with this. I am still of the mindset. I do not understand it. I don't care. He's your first round pick. I don't care how small he is. Why aren't they at one attempt? I want to see of him doing a QB sneak. I want to fucking see it. And if it fails, it fails. But I would love to just see what he can do. He's small. And I think that go, it gives him a little bit of advantage to sneak in those little creases to get in there. Um, he might not give you a good big push, but I think if you have guys behind them, you see what the Eagles do with it. I, I just, I want to see it once. I know everyone brings up the Andy Dalton stuff, but I think it's, I think it's worth a try. And how many guys, how many QBs get injured on a QB sneak? Because I sure as hell can't. I know that's a big emphasis in, you know, the injury aspect. But I'm trying to think of QBs that have gotten injured on that play before, and I can't yeah. think of any off the top, man. I'll still push that's short. I know no one else will because I get it. He's you know number one pick. You trade all this shit for him, but. I would try it, man. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but, um, yeah, I mean, when you're this desperate for points, you got to try anything. So, well, it's like, I wouldn't be opposed. Yeah. Or, and and you mentioned the Kate Mason, put Tommy Tremble back during that fullback role. He did it at Notre Dame, put him in the, at the fullback role, let him block. And then, or even Ian Thomas, and then have Chuba behind him. Like, I don't, I don't understand that, but, um, this is next level offensive thinking here that, we, that the Panthers just haven't reached yet. So if, if they would like to reach out to us and get some ideas, we're more than willing to help because we, we, we would like at least two wins this season. Yes. It's like, holy shit. You got those, like those when they don't have a lot of opportunities. When you get in those areas, you gotta, you gotta come away with touchdowns. So um, I don't know where I was going with that. I was trying to, I thought I had something, I lost it, but um, I wanted to me- talk about the defense. We'll get into Brian Burns here in a little bit, but Dante Jackson, dude, with JC Horn back, when JC Horn is covering, you know, your number one guy on offense, I think Dante, when they're both healthy, they can be a decent tandem. Like he played pretty damn well in this game against the Saints. And I get it, you know, the Saints offense has struggled with Derek Carr. So I don't, I mean, I don't know how much you can put on that. And if he was missing guys or just not seeing it, but I want to pull these numbers up here quick. Six targets. He allowed one reception for 11 yards and he had, he forced four incompletions with a 39 passer rating against him. Like, I think that might be one of his best games, barring one with like an interception. Like he played really well in this game. 
when he when JC Horn's hurt and he is the number one guy, I think there that's where you see the struggles. But when he is not the sole focus of that DB room, I feel like he can play well if he stays healthy. But I just yeah, want to yeah. talk about a little bit. I agree, and I think that he's played well. He's played more games well this season than bad. You know, I think the one game that sticks out in my head is the Miami game versus Tyree yeah. Hill, who's you know the fastest receiver in the league. But uh, I think Dante Jackson has really, for the most part of this season, played it played really well actually. And uh, he's not really someone that you're in a position to move on from after this year, ba- based on obviously J.C. Horn's injury uh, history, and then. Dante's been available for most. I mean, I, he's. I think he's missed one or two games, and he's been he's been playing well. So uh, Dante's really stepped up and and been there for this team. And I think hopefully going into next year, JC can maintain his health and stay on the field. And yeah, I agree. I think it's a very formidable one-two cornerback uh, combo that can can be potent on the field. I mean, they've proven that they can be so. I think that's hopefully going to be the same for next season and Carolina can count on those guys. And really the biggest thing is just health wise. Um, But yeah, defense wise, I think, you know, like we talked about to start, they really kept this, this uh, team in this game for a while uh, and until the wheels just fell off in the fourth quarter, but Derek Carr, I mean, I don't know if it's the defense or Derek Carr. I mean, I I know Derek Carr sucks, but uh, the defense also played really well. And, um, one guy in particular, uh, Derek Brown, mm-hmm. had I think one, one of the best games of the year uh, for him, and he just every week he's getting better and better. It seems like it's this he's having the breakout season Brian Burns should be having, and uh, he you know the one play that sticks in my head is when he threw Alvin Kamara like a little rag doll, <laughs> and you know he just he is he is one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL, and he is the best defensive player on this team, and. He's just so exciting to watch. I mean, his comments today about if they have to be at home on the couch, they want everybody else to be at home on the couch. Like his attitude he brings, it, I mean, he's he's one-on-one, and I'm glad he's a Carolina Panther. Uh, exciting. Probably might might be my next jersey purchase. I don't know. But uh, really, really excited that, uh, that he continues to show the growth that he has um, on this team. And then, uh, you know, nothing really sticks out to me otherwise. J.C. Horn had the nice pass breakup on Chris Olave on the deep pass. Thought J.C. Horn had a, a good bounce back. Yeah, that was a hell game. of a play. A little underthrown. I think they could have thrown Carr could have thrown him out there a little bit more. I, that one scared me when it was up in the air. But yeah, that was a hell of a play by him. Yeah, Woods too has been playing really well. Oh yeah, Xavier Woods. He's. I think he, is he the one who had the pick? Was that last week or this week? I can't remember. I know he had a pick like recently. I think Derek Brown had the interception this week. Oh yeah. That was a yeah. That was yeah. mass. Xavier Woods was the week before. I think it was on Baker. He yeah. picked off. He picked him off. But yeah, that was another guy I just wanted to mention. Um, let's talk about Brian Burns because you posed the question this week on Twitter that a lot of people uh, I figured we were going to chime in on. Um, is Brian Burns worth the twenty-five to thirty mil a season? What what was what was behind this, Bryson? Uh, just frustration. Um, uh, here, let me pull up his numbers real quick here. Oh boy. Uh, I'll let you, while you're, while you're pulling that out, I'll, 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 I'll take the reins here while you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. You go first and then, and then I'll go. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he is, I think what the market is at, I think he's, he is, 
um, deserving of, of those, of those numbers, because I feel like a lot of people want to base it off of Mason Crosby's contract, but I just don't think that is where the edge rusher market is now. So based off of that, yeah, I do think you got to pay him. And I, you see time and time again, when you let a guy go like this, he is just going to, he's going to get paid this amount of money somewhere else and he's going to dominate. And then everyone's going to be bitching that we don't have this guy anymore. And I, it's, it's happened over and over again with Carolina. And I think edge rushers are the second most important position on the field besides quarterback. And Carolina does not have an edge rusher besides Brian Burns whatsoever. So Yes, I do think he is worth this amount of money. Has he dipped this year? There's no doubt about it. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I think he has he last year he's played he played better last year than he has this year. Now that doesn't say he doesn't have a strong finish. We'll see. I hope he does eclipse uh or he gets double digits again this year like he did last year. But without a doubt, I think this guy needs to be resigned. And I do think they go the route of the tag. And they got a lot of big decisions this offseason. It could be a tag and a trade for Burns. It could be they tag him and then trade him to another team to get picks back. I don't know. But I think he is very valuable. And, yes, I without a doubt will say he's worth that kind of money. Yeah, and, and I agree that I, I think he's extremely valuable to this team um, because of the situation they're in. You know, I, I really don't think they have much of a choice because what are they, who are they going to rely on? YGM to rush the passer. Um, obviously, they would probably go draft someone or sign someone as an edge rusher if they let Brian Burns go. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this year, 22 solo tackles. He ranks 150th in the league. Six sacks. He ranks tied for 41st in the league. And one first forced fumble. He ranks tied for 65th in the league. Uh, zero interceptions, which doesn't really matter. But. Uh, I don't know where his pressures are. Uh, maybe you could look that up on Pro Football Focus, but I don't even think those are as high as they normally are. Um, people say he needs help, or people say he's checked out because he's not getting paid. Uh, both of those excuses are not acceptable for an elite edge rusher. Um, there are edge rushers across the league that don't have help on the other side that perform uh, to a to a better ability than what Brian Burns has so far this season. Um, I understand the frustration that he has rightfully so about not being paid, but as we sit right now, if you're paying him $30 million and he has six sacks uh, going into week 13 or 14, you know, you're not happy as an organization and it's not, the contract's not looking great <laughs> to this point. So uh, I, I do think Carolina is going to pay him. I think they need to pay him, but when, but when I weigh the options here, and it, it just makes me think like you could spend 25 to 30 million on Brian Burns, or you can go invest that money on the offense and get Bryce Young more receivers, get them better offensive linemen, get them, you know, there, there's just, you just have to weigh the options, I guess. And I think the defense without Brian Burns would still be a decent defense. I don't think it, it, it would be terrible uh, because I do think that they would either draft a, uh, uh, up and coming edge rusher or sign someone in free agency. And then if they were to not resign him in this situation, uh, I think the defense could still be top 20 in the league and then invest that money on the offense and improve the offense because it's so putrid. Like, I don't know. There, there's a lot of options to weigh and the Panthers got a lot of flack for, for me even and from you for not signing Brian Burns this off season to a contract extension. And, as we sit right now, it's not really looking like the worst thing 
that they didn't. Um, it sucks for Brian Burns, but six sacks going into week 14 is not acceptable uh, for, for an elite edge rusher. And uh, I don't know if you have the pressures or not, but. I'm trying to find them still. Keep okay. your good. Yeah. Um, and I, like I said, I don't think his pressures are even top 10 right now. And that's where he, that's his bread and butter. Hurries. Is that what they, is that what they call him? That's what it's gotta be, huh? Yeah. I, I think that's correct. Everyone calls him differently. Yeah. He's, he's way down here. He's 65. Yeah. I he's mean, got 65 hurries. I'm just he, kidding. Yeah. I was about to say that's 60. There's no way he's only got 10. They got him at 10. There is no fucking way. He only has 10 pressures. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not been good, Curtis. Um, they don't even have him at six sacks on PFF, so I don't know what the hell that's about. What do they have him at? But I know he has six sacks. I literally saw the graphic on the TV the other day. Yeah. They have him at him at three. What the? F- that don't even make okay. sense. Those stats might not be updated, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I would imagine he has more than ten pressures, but I, I don't think it's much more than that. And I wonder if it's different if you put it. Oh, anyway, keep going. You're good. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just to sum up everything I was saying, I think Carolina should pay Brian Burns. I think that they don't really have a choice because of a lack of talent on the defensive line opposite of uh, Derek Brown on the, on the line. Um, YGM has played better this year. Justin Houston, I, I forgot he was on the team until I thought of him just a couple minutes ago. Uh, he's injured, but, I mean, they, they got to get him some help, but – when you're supposed to be, like we talked about at the beginning of the year, a top five edge rusher in the league, you shouldn't have to rely on help on the other side of the offensive line or defensive line to at least get double-digit sacks. Six sacks is just piss poor. And uh, it's, it, he's just one player on a, on a whole roster of players that have played like shit this, this year, except for a couple guys. And um, I don't think anyone's going to argue that Derek Brown is the best defensive lineman on this team, though. Uh, and and I think Derek Brown has seen himself as that. And if you had to choose between Derek Brown and Brian Burns, it's not close for me at all. Uh, Derek Brown is getting paid, and Brian Burns is is looking for a new team. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. But um, just choosing between those two guys, that would be my choice. Oh, I mean, there's there's no doubt Brian or Derek Brown is has been the best defensive player on the team this season. I, I don't think anyone can argue against that. Um, but I would say last year, I think. Brian Burns had a hell of a season um, based off of circumstances. So it's tough. I The other thing I worry about, too, is you say, well, they can go out and get a guy. Like, who the hell – Who are you going to go find a Brian Burns in the second round of the draft next year? I have no faith in that whatsoever yeah. at all. Oh, Ojolari, uh, BJ Ojolari is playing pretty well for the uh, – I mean, if Giants. Scott Fitter is still around, I have no faith <laughs> in going out and getting anyone. That's fair. Um, for that matter, I don't know what the free agent ad rusher market is, um, and this just goes back to Scott Fitter's failures. If if they were offered that much and you weren't willing to pay the guy, then why the hell didn't you trade him? Yeah. Uh, but I really do think the tag is going to be the route they go, and we'll see where it goes from there. Do they trade him or do they keep him and sign him to a long term deal? But I do think he's going to get less money. I mean, there's no doubt he's. He's dropped this season. One thing to take into account, and we probably won't know this until the offseason, but has he been playing hurt? 
I know he had that elbow injury with the big ass cast on his arm, and then he also he he was out with an ankle injury today, and he had surgery on his ankle this off season. So I don't know if that's bothering him too. So there, I think we'll find that out later in the off season. But there's no doubt he has dropped off this year. I mean, and he's cost himself money. Carolina, yeah, and Carolina um, without not them sign or not signing him before the year. I mean, they're obviously going to benefit from that to, you know, work them into a lesser of a contract and pay them less. So I think that's kind of worked out in their favor, but I'm sure there's, it's very sour on Brian Burns's end of getting anything done long-term at this point. So yeah, nice guys finish last. I mean, that it's, it has been proven. I mean, you had guys like Bosa sit out the entire training camp. Brian Burns was there from day one in Wofford practiced and you know Bosa sitting here with a contract and Brian Burns doesn't have one so clearly I'm sure he'll rethink the way he proceeds ever again with a contract here of what he's going to do because that's clearly it didn't help him out at all so just unfortunate another unfortunate situation with this Panthers team in front office um I do want to talk about something that has come up a lot lately and it's a lot I really like to go back to see where the smoke was early on when Carolina was looking for a new coach. But, and I think initially it was David Tepper is going to try and go out and get Sean Payton. That was like the thing early on. Um, and obviously that didn't happen. He's in Denver now, but there has been a lot lately about the guy up in new England, six Super Bowls as a coach, but the report today I'm reading this right off the screen. Sources close to the organization tell SB Nation that in late November, Panthers owner David Tepper inquired about what it would take to trade for Belichick following the 2023, 2023 season. Bryson, I know where your head's at with this, but break it down. What do you think of this? <laughs> hmm. uh, just go look at the New England Patriots record, where they rank offensively. Uh what he's done without Tom Brady in New England up to this point. I mean, we've seen the fall off of Mac Jones. They can't they can't get any good quarterback play. They have failed to develop quarterbacks since Tom Brady left. Um, they failed to really win anything. I think they made the playoffs with Mac Jones once. But, uh, I mean, it's – I think Bill Belichick, it's, it's time to hang it up. He's old as shit. Uh, he's an so asshole. Which, I mean, you could say the same thing about Jim Harbaugh, which I like. He's old as shit and he's an asshole. But at least Jim Harbaugh is continuing to win on the level he's on. Uh, Belichick, I mean, he's, they got the second worst record in the NFL right behind the Panthers. And you're going to go hire that coach? I mean, that sounds like what we did last year when we hired Frank Wright from a team that he got fired from on a, on a team that had a bad record. And, and, and just because of the pedigree, the, the, the history that he has with the greatest quarterback of all time, you're gonna go hire that guy because of because of that. And but I well, I wouldn't compare him to Frank. I don't think that's fair. Like Belichick's a proven winner. Frank is not. Like well, I, I'm I'm saying just like this his their last season in And I guess I can't say Frank isn't like I d Frank isn't a proven winner to Belichick's level, yeah. I guess. I guess would be a better way to say it. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. You're fine. And I, I think that all of Belichick's success as a head coach is tied to Tom Brady. And Tom Brady leaves, goes to Tampa Bay, and we all know they won a Super Bowl when he goes to Tampa Bay. Tom, 
what has Bill Belichick done since Tom Brady left New England? You know, if, 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 if Tom Brady comes with Belichick and he comes out of retirement and comes to Carolina and wants to, I don't know, coach, like be an, a quarterback coach or something and, or an offensive coordinator, then maybe that's something I would entertain. But uh, I just, I think Belichick just doesn't have it anymore. He's, like I said, he's, he's getting up there in age. He's, uh, the offenses are changing. His defenses are somewhat competitive for the most part. And especially if that means he's bringing his ugly ass son with him to be the defensive coordinator that I don't want to see that mullet on my fucking sideline. And it, it's just, I think this would 100% be something that Tepper would do. I do not doubt Tepper called New England and said, how, what does what will it take to trade for your coach? And I'm sure New England said something crazy, but then we all see the reports that they've already made the decision to move on from, from Belichick after this year. Like that's, that happened after the Colts Colts loss uh, that Robert Kraft made that decision and they're moving on from Belichick which is a good decision because they need, they need a new coach because Belichick's not good anymore at his job. So, um, and he's probably just worn out his welcome in, in New England. I do not want Bill Belichick as my head coach. I think that there are way better options. We've, we've gone this route before with a, with a retread. And I know I'm kind of, I'm sounding a little bit uh, wishy-washy on it because of my want for Jim Harbaugh, but I think that's a little different uh, than this situation. Uh, because Jim Harbaugh has won every single where he's been, and Belichick has not won in a while without his quarterback. So uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, let him go to Washington. Let him go to the Chargers. Let, let him go wherever. I don't want him in Carolina. I do not want him in Carolina. Yeah, I'm going to just step back for a little bit and let me kind of try to lay this out from um, my point of view. And that's here's the here's the the negative or the, here is the um, why I couldn't see it happen. So Carolina went with a coach last year that was fired. Okay, Frank Reich, first co or second coach fired last year, and he was the first coach hired this coaching cycle. So I have a hard time believing Tepper would want to go out and get a guy that was just fired. But the caveat to that is Bill Belichick. Um, another what, why I don't see it, couldn't see it happening, and just things aren't aligning. Several national reporters, including Adam Schefter, who has been pretty spot on with Carolina stuff. I think he was one of the early ones that said Bryce Young was going to be the quarterback last year very early on, and not a lot of people believed it. And here we are, Bryce Young is the QB. He has said time and time again, David Tepper wants a young offensive-minded coach. And he has said that several times lately. So that's another reason. And also, David Tepper himself said he would love, and I don't know how much weight you want to put on this, but he would love to have a coach with him for 20, 30 years. And obviously, Bill Belichick is at the tail end of his career and in his 70s or whatever his age is. So that's where I don't see it happening. Where I do see it happening is this report today what does not surprise me one bit. And I hate to compare the situation. I almost put this out on X today, but it reminds me of David Tepper's infatuation with Deshaun Watson. Like he wants the big fish. That's he's always seeking the splash decision. And this is has his name written all over it, and I wouldn't be surprised. 
Um, another interesting thing, I don't know if you've seen this report. I saw this this week. I don't know how the hell I missed this. But even your boy, Cam Newton, has said, I think Tepper, knowing what I do know, he is hoping he can land Bill Belichick. Um, he said that on his podcast, and he said that right there will be a win, 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 win for David Tepper. So I put some weight into that because I think Cam Newton, I feel like, still has some ties there with Tepper. Um, and then you have the interesting article out there. I think it's from, I want to say it's the Boston Globe, but I'm not entirely sure what exactly what news outlet it was. I want to make sure I have this right, but um, see if I can find this really quickly. But they also said Carolina is a team to watch with Belichick. And this was right after the firing of Tepper. I think it was like days. Um, again, I don't know how much stock you put in that, but there's a lot of reports right now that are out there. So I'm not going to discount any of it. I'm also not going to discount any candidate because I've learned last year no one fucking knows. Everyone told me Frank Wright was going to be the guy and this team would be in the playoffs and we'd be in Super Bowls and or not in Super Bowls, but we'd be a contending team. That didn't happen. I don't care who the hell it is anymore. I know I was the one against Sean Payton last year because he was a saint. I don't care anymore. I want a coach who is going to bring this team and win with this team from now on. I don't care who the fuck it is. Bring in a winner. That's all I want. That's all I care about at no strings attached. Bring me a winner consistently year after year. And that's all I give a shit about. So I'm not going to discount anyone. You know, everyone knows who I want is Ben Johnson across the board, but they go out and get someone else. I hope he's a winner. I hope he turns this shit around. I hope there's a good culture here and they win again because I am tired of losing and I'm not going to shut down anyone because clearly it didn't matter last year. And clearly Frank Reich was the wrong guy to do it. So, um, that's kind of where my head's at, but I do, I, for a lot of reasons you said there, I, I have reservations too about Bill. Can he, can he get Bryce Young to the level he was at at Alabama? I know he obviously would probably bring along Bill O'Brien and I know that would steer people the wrong way um, because we just know what happened in Houston with him. And could he get Bryce to the level he was playing at at Alabama in the NFL? Because it's a different ball game here. I think Mac Jones has played a lot in that. I know I backed him before, but I think he is a main reason why um, New England has struggled heavily. But then you also look at Bill and his draft. Like he's not that great with like he makes some really weird decisions in the draft, like trading and doesn't give a fuck, like just weird shit. <laughs> Um, which might be, I mean, that's probably up David Tepper's alley, but like, <laughs> there's just some questionable decisions he's made. And I mean, he's hit on guys too. Like this, uh, this year they got uh, what I think it was this year, the Gonzalez corner, Christian Gonzalez. He played really well until he got hurt. Like Bill Belichick's going to always have a good defense. Like that's, I don't have a doubt in my mind that that would happen here, uh, but it's, it's the question of the offense. And that's been the question for Carolina. And that's why it's, it's hard to believe that's the route they go, but Bill would definitely tell Tepper no, like on decision. So like, if you want a guy like that, kind of like Harbaugh, I think those are the two guys that are going to push back against Tepper the most, or those two, hands down. 
with all the candidates right now. I mean, I don't see anyone else that has more power than those two. And obviously, Bill would bring back what kind of Matt Rule had, which would be, would David Tepper want that again, where he has so control over everything. Like, he's the GM, he's the coach. So, yeah, there's a lot at play. And again, I think I it has the feelings of, like, the Sean Payton of last year. Like, yeah, Carolina's going to be interested, but can they land the big fish again type thing? So, Let's hope not. It's just... <laughs> Interesting shit. When you're uh, one in twelve, you got to talk about something besides how shitty this offense is. But um, yeah. I do want to mention a guy because I know it's going to be always compared. But C.J. Stroud came back down to earth this past week, and I know we all want to talk about uh, or compare those two. But I think we saw what kind of Bryce Young has been doing with with C.J. Stroud, and even Texans fans were. I mean, they were they were uh, fueling the fire and almost panicking. It seemed like I saw a couple of tweets where they're like worried about it. It's like, dude, he's a rookie. Like people, that's right. Like I think Aaron Rodgers said it best on Pat McAfee a couple of weeks ago. This is such a week by week league. Like one minute, Kirk cousins is at the top of his game. He's the greatest thing for the Minnesota Vikings. And next week he should be fired. Like that's just how fans work. And it's just like this roller coaster ride. It's like CJ Stroud's going to be fine, but he, he was pressured. He doesn't have weapons right now. Nico Collins went down. Tank Delzell for the year. Uh, Dalton Schultz uh, is injured as well. So, like, now he has he doesn't have weapons to throw to, and he struggled mightily. I don't even think he passed for over – I don't think he passed for over two yards. I know he got concussed in the game and what was put out, but he struggled, and that's what kind of what Bryce Young's been doing with. And I think Texans fans and NFL fans across the board are finally getting a taste of what Bryce Young has been dealing with in Carolina. Yeah, and then, and then you got the fans that are the Texans fans that are blaming the weather. But then on the other side of the field, Zach Wilson was he threw for what three hundred yards and a couple touchdowns. So I did uh, not see that. <laughs> yeah, I, I oh saw that. Uh, and you know, yeah, C.J. Stroud dealt with last week what Bryce Young has dealt with all season: no weapons, pressure, and just. I guess bad football luck with a couple of things not going their way and it, it sucks, but uh, that's what gives me hope because I think once this new coaching staff gets in and new front office, hopefully, you know, they can surround them with those weapons and maybe we get a tank Dell like player and an eco Collins like player and improve on the offensive line. And we see that second year jump, third year jump from Bryce Young. And uh, I just think fans, ha- unfortunately, in Carolina have to continue to be patient. We have to hurry up and wait. And it's, yes, we thought that it was this year, but it's not, obviously. And and, and we, we got to just move on and, and, look, and look into next year and hope things improve and they take that next that next step that we were all hoping happened this year, but didn't. Yeah, and I we're not going to get into this uh, really, but I just I thought it was funny because I honestly wore this shirt under a quarter zip today, and fittingly, Cam Newton is like all over. If you got everyone is knows the I'm back moment with Cam, but. Cam is fiddling all over the news right now for something he said on a podcast that football analysts um, say stupid shit all the time. And even if you agree or disagree with what he said, it's just like, what the hell? The guy can have an opinion. Um, But I did want to mention something real quick because I went to Trey Boston's thing. Well, this is before we'll get into the we'll get into our um, picks for this week and talk about this game this weekend against Atlanta. But Trey Boston had a. Uh, what was that watch party 
Sorry, I was struggling there. Watch party this weekend <laughs> in Charlotte. Rainy as hell. There wasn't a whole lot of people. I would say there was like 30 or 40. I think obviously the weather played into that. Carolina's record. And then there was also a bunch of PSL like watch parties that were in Charlotte, Raleigh, and some Columbia, I think South Carolina. So I understood why there wasn't a ton of um, people there, but he did a hell of a, it was awesome. I just wanted to get that out there because he did not have to do that. Um, and he's just trying to spread a little positivity because we've all been um, really in the shitter lately <laughs> with this team. So, um, but yeah, hats off to him. Hey, he is a, he can, he can do karaoke. I, he's got it i mean that it was it was impressive i think try, i'm trying to find the song as i'm talking here um was it neo but he sang let it burn by chris brown and oh. um i won't get into too much of it because you just had to be there but he changed some of the lyrics to fit the panthers and it was very entertaining so um <laughs> And he wouldn't let us record either. So there was, he, he said some things. It was good though. It was funny. Um, but yeah, so just want to shout out him. And I want to shout out his um, foundation because he he talked about this when we were there too, um, about the Trey Boston Beyond Belief Foundation. It basically helps underprivileged kids and adults and just tries to empower and embody their community. Um, so if you are willing and want to give, go give to his uh, foundation. I think they're doing the toy drive for Christmas. So I just wanted to throw that out there um, because, again, he did it out of the kindness of his heart to get all of us together. And I think he's – it sounds like he'll be doing more of them. And we've golfed with them. He's he's just a good dude all around. So I do appreciate him. Um, let's get to this game this weekend. <laughs> Atlanta coming to town. Carolina's wearing black helmets. I think they're going with blue jerseys this time. So I think they're doing black helmet, blue jersey, black pant. Um, so a little bit different than they did last year when they just did all black. Um, but I do think that because they teased that way early on. Brian Burns wore it in like a video. Um, so I think that's what they're going with this weekend. But anyway, what do you think? of this Atlanta team now. So we've, they faced them obviously week one, Desmond uh, Ritter, as I say, Desmond Howard, Desmond Ritter. <laughs> um, he gets, I mean, he got benched for a bit there. They went with Heineke who played in Carolina. Now he's back. Ritter's back under center. What do you, what are you worried about with the Atlanta? Yeah. I mean, I think their offense is uh, better than the Saints offense. Uh, I think of course, it depends on what Ritter you're getting. Uh, if you get the bad Ritter, then you don't have a whole lot to worry about. But if you get a Ritter that plays somewhat decent, I mean, like last week, uh, I think Drake London went for like 172 yards. Uh, really good game, and Ritter played all right. He's rushing touchdowns. And uh, Falcons defense, of course, what we saw week one, they're a pretty good defense. I think that this is going to be you know, a hard game for Carolina. Uh as all of them are for this team. There's not any easy games. And uh, I think at home, I don't know, the, the ticket prices are like five bucks. You can, you can sit in the, you, you can, you can coach on the sideline and call a play for 50. Uh, I mean, it's, it's bad. Uh, I don't know if there's gonna be a whole lot of fans there. I know you're going to be there, but uh, I'll be there. 
props to you for that. Uh, you are uh, a loyal fan, Curtis. And uh, yeah, I just think it's going to be a close game. It's not. I don't think it's going to be one sided or anything. I think Atlanta's going to win, um, and Carolina's going to be looking at one and thirteen, which makes me sick to say, but one and thirteen as an NFL team. Yeah, this. I mean, Atlanta's fighting for a playoff spot, which is insane. Yeah. Um, I don't have faith in Ritter. I think he's terrible. I know you don't really probably have faith in him. I'm worried about Bijan. I think that guy is special, and they're starting to give him the rock a little bit more in Carolina. I always just am worried with running backs against Carolina. I think I think they did a really nice job with Kamara, though, keeping him in check this last mm-hmm. week. We'll see if they can do it again. But I think it's going to be a low-scoring, like typical NFC South game. It is going to be pissing out there like rain all day long oh damn all day long so this game is it's going to be on the backs and not get grading turnovers uh for carolina's offense so i think that's going to be key so that might kind of level the playing field who's ever running game is going to be better off really i mean i was looking at the forecast i mean it literally is rain all day almost across most of the state it's it's crazy that game it it might be like the saints game a couple of years i mean there was like yellows and reds going across charlotte when i was again things can change but i'm like oh shit like this is going to be brutal so um but yeah i think it's going to be tough it's just until carolina can get things you know, even mediocre on offense, it's just it's it's tough to even pick ever pick them. I just it's hard. It really is because their defense does well enough every week. It's just their offense. It's the same. It's literally the same shit every week. It a little wrinkle here and there, but very just same old, same old. So, what do you got for a score? I was thinking about that. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go low. I'm gonna go real low because of the rain that you mentioned. I'm going to say 10 to 3. Uh, Atlanta wins. That would be brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. I'm going worse. I'm going to go, well, not worse. I guess more points. I'm going to go, <laughs> I'll go 9 6 Atlanta. Oh, All field goals, just sloppy shit. And Carolina loses again. I don't, again, I'm not, I just can't pick Carolina right now. They're just, they're terrible. They really are. So that's, that's where I'm fair. at. That's what we're going to leave it at. But we just want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch our episodes wherever you get your podcast. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always, 